This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tom Ahome. And I'm Kristen. Hello, everybody. Hello. Howdy. Otherwise known as Terp Kristen on the internet. On the internet. That is true. I'm also known as Terp Kristen. <laughs> Yay. Nice. What's that come from, the Terp? Uh, I went to the University of Maryland, so that's their mascot. The Terp? The Diamondback Terrapin. Uh, also known nice. as a Terp. Yep. I have no idea what that is. It's a turtle. <laughs> a turtle? Okay. Awesome. One might have said so. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I've got um, a good pile of uh, audio that's arrived, and it's mostly science fiction. Good, good. Which Yay. is kind of cool. Kind of cool. Um, let's see. Okay. We'll start with, uh, how about some Robert J. Sawyer? Um, so these books have been out for a little while on audible, but, um, we just received them in hard copy from brilliance audio. This is volume one and two of the Neanderthal parallax. Uh, the first one's called hominids and the second one's called humans. Um, they both include introduction read by Robert J. Sawyer, which was in the, the audible version. Um, now I've read the first two. I never did read the last one. Um, but what it's about is, uh, they were, they, they, I think it starts with a neutrino detector, you know, a big tank of water kind of deep underground, <laughs> a neutrino detector. And then suddenly, uh, this Neanderthal appears in it. And, but the Neanderthal is kind of a parallel earth where the Neanderthals kept evolving and humans disappeared. And, um, so the... But anyway, that's what it's about. So it's about him exploring our world and uh, us exploring his. Yeah, I, I read the first one. I hmm? I like I like Sawyer a lot, but uh, I he's been writing a lot of. I guess he always has been, but I I just starting to notice it a lot more. He's been writing a lot of trilogies, so I I tend to read the first book of the trilogy and then stop. I I read Wake. I read. Uh, hominids, but I haven't read past that in either of the trilogies. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's true of the the dinosaur one, his Contaglio Ascension as well. I read the first one, Farseer. Farseer, yeah, yeah. which which was a really terrific book, by the way. I don't think that's out as an audio audiobook yet. Yeah, you Should know, be. I don't think it is. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because it's there's no mention of humans at all, right? It's it's completely alien, and it's sort of a parallel uh, history of uh, Galileo. Uh, Galileo and Darwin, actually, I think. Maybe that maybe Darwin's the second one, but there's a lot of Darwinian stuff happening in it as well. Hmm. Sounds interesting. Kristen, what's your, what's your scientific evaluation of Robert J. Sawyer? Um, you know, the, only one, uh, the only one I read of him was the... Uh, which one? The one we read was Sword and Laser. That was uh, Fast, Flash Forward. forward. Yeah. Uh, he didn't do much of the science in there, but I remember he... Although he said he spent a lot of time at CERN talking to the scientists, he didn't get a good impression of what scientists are actually like. He didn't have enough ego, nearly at all. <laughs> they explain things to each well, other. Don't that worry. Sense. They're like, they're like, okay, well now I'm going to explain to you why this is, you know, a time lapse and blah blah blah. And I'm like, if you're really talking to somebody who knows what the science is, you wouldn't have to explain it to them. So it kind of took me out of the story every time that happened. But you know, it was a decent enough story as it was. Okay. Kristen is very knowledgeable in science. I'll just put that out. <laughs> now you're totally setting me up for failure, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I, actually and, uh, never I, read I read Flash Forward as well, and um, 
I really liked the premise of it, but you're right. I mean, it wasn't, um, I never considered it really possible. So I had to give him that. And then, um, but I liked how everybody had to deal with the fact that they were, had seen part of their future. I thought that was a really interesting thing to play with. Yeah. I definitely like the social implications he made and how you, how everybody thought their future was fixed. Um, and then obviously as that evolved through the storyline, what I kind of wish he'd spent a little bit more time on was, um, you know, the, all the, all the descriptions of the book tell you what the flash forward event is right there. Mm-hmm. And I wished he'd spent more time with the discovery of the event and that those descriptions of the book didn't tell you what the flash forward was that you were kind of following along with the characters as they were discovering it, as opposed to knowing what it was and then just watching how it unfolded for them. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think I would have, I think I would have been more engaged with the characters if I had been in the dark as to what that event was as well. Gotcha. Like they were. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, All right. We'll find the Higgs boson any day now. <laughs> That's what they're saying. We'll see. I'm All excited right. about that actually. <laughs> the God cool. particle. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next up we have Pamela Sargent, um, a book called Earthseed, came in to us from Blackstone Audio. It's read by Amy Rubinati. Um, uh, hopefully I uh, pronounced that right. Um, it's the Seed Trilogy, book one. Uh, here's no, the description. Book is, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, is it book one or is it book two? Uh, the, I'm looking at the back. It's new says, and audible. Okay, I'm looking at the back. It says uh, the Seed Trilogy, book one. Okay, so it's Earthseed. Got it, sorry. Okay, no problem. Um, here's the description. Ship hurtles through space. Deep within its core carries the seed of humankind. Launched by the people of a dying earth over a century ago, its mission is to find a habitable world for children, 15-year-old Zoharet and her shipmates, whom it has created from its genetic banks. So, I'll so stop there. So, later mm-hmm. book in the series just came out as well, Far Seed, which I guess is uh, maybe book three. Is that right? No, I think Farseed's book too. That's the book I was oh, thinking about. Yeah, that's he was just talking about. Just come out yeah. uh, this month. So, um, yeah, yeah it's under this quick. week in Audible. They're pretty quick at putting uh, putting them out when they start a series. Blackstone is. You, you know, it's kind of interesting that the Earthseed book came out, I think, in the early '80s, and to see that the the second book in the trilogy is so far, you know, it's what twenty-ish, almost thirty years later. So. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised to see a new book. Gets the the old book reissued. Oh, okay, mm. got it. Yeah, did you guys read uh, Greg Bear, uh, The Forge of God, and then he had a sequel called The Anvil of Stars? Yeah, and The Anvil I, of I, Stars had a ship full of kids headed out to space too, as kind of the last, um, the last part of humanity. I haven't read it. Uh, Steen has read almost every uh, Greg Bear book uh-huh. out there. I liked um, the Forge of God a lot. Um, it it has the most memorable uh, destruction of the Earth in it um, that I can remember reading. Cool. Yeah, it's really good. It's like slow cooked in a in a big tub of stars <laughs> or something. No, the, uh, uh, they threw a black hole into the middle of the Earth, and it kind of just eventually collapsed. Mm, that's uh, singularity as well. Yeah. It kind of sounds like the Peter F. Hamilton's Void Trilogy. There's something called uh, M. Hawkins device or something. It does a similar thing. Hmm. Cool. I, I felt they ripped it off in the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a similar device in that, too. Okay. 
All right. Now, uh, there's, there's a, there's a, I'm sure it's bad science. Problems. <laughs> All right. Shift gears into uh, another type of science fiction. I have a Burning Chrome by William Gibson. Um, it's from Brilliance Audio. It's the short story collection. It's about, uh, let's see, seven hours long. <clears throat> and it's got ten stories in it. And the stories are Johnny Mnemonic, The Gernsback Continuum, Fragments of a Hologram Rose, The Belonging Kind, which he wrote with John Shirley, Hinterlands, Red Star Winter Orbit, which he wrote with Bruce Sterling, uh, New Rose Hotel, The Winter Market, Dogfight, which he wrote with uh, Michael Swanwick, and Burning Chrome. And it's got it all listed on the package? It does not. I had to look it up. In the package, Aww. it says, These ten brilliant high-resolution stories show Gibson's characters and intensely realized worlds at his absolute best. So, no, it doesn't list them on the back. <laughs> uh, it's, I guess it's good that it has them all, though. Yeah, uh, it says all ten, so, and that's... Yeah, that that's sounds great. Collection Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, so Johnny Mnemonic and um, Burning Chrome are the, his most famous ones there. They're in the same world as a uh, Neuromancer? Um, I'm not sure that they are. I know Johnny Fox Mnemonic is a lot like Neuromancer, but it seemed like he wrote Johnny Mnemonic and then later wrote Neuromancer as a more fully developed book. Yeah, yeah I think that's exactly what happened, is that he took those uh, the ideas he started developing in the Burning Chrome short stories and then spawned them off into his other Neuromancer and his other books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds about right. Cool. All right, and then here is uh, one that came in. Just I was going to mention that William Gibson Oops. has a new nonfiction book out. Sorry. Oh, go but, ahead. Uh, Please it's do. Not on, it's it's uh, Distress That Particular Flavor. I think it's like a collection of essays, but it's not on uh, any audiobook yet, but it's out in old-fashioned print. Gotcha. So it's not but about something specific. It's a collection the... of essays? Right. Okay, cool. Nice. But I, I think people stock it in the science fiction part of the store, I guess. That's the people that are most likely to buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. They'll probably That's stock it. it in the in the front part as well. Because yeah, I've seen it there of, too. He's sort of one of the few crossover people that's still alive, you know, that people know uh, they would read. Mm-hmm. Mainstream folks. <laughs> okay. And here's one that came in just for Jesse. Um, Sisterhood okay. of Dune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By Brian no, Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. There's a there's a lot of uh, Sisterhood of Dune bashing been going on. Um, it is 83 years after the last of the thinking machines was destroyed in the Battle of Corin, and etc. So I think I made that joke last time. Was second cousin of Dune? Second is, cousin of Dune. <laughs> it's gonna be the the book <laughs> at the end of this series. That's oh. funny. Well, at some point, of, uh, at some point, people will stop buying them, right? And then. They will run out of. But you know. uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people seem to I, like them and be buying them. So, uh, yeah, so I don't have a problem them. with anybody writing that. <laughs> I really don't. Go ahead. People enjoy them. Keep writing. You're killing all those trees. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of internet uh, hate against it. Yeah, yeah. People think it's sacrilegious to keep writing those Dune books. Right. I, I, I think it just devalues. You know, it's it's like uh, if if we had had ten thousand, mind you, we did have ten thousand Tolkien ripoffs, didn't we? They just didn't have the Tolkien brand on them, right? I, well, I think you that, know, one of the arguments that I've heard for doing it, um, take the Amber series, you know, by Roger Zelazny. You know, that's a series that I really, really liked when he wrote it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then it kind of fell out of the radar. And then they started to publish a couple more. And, and when I heard the argument on why they were doing that is, well, it's, it's going to keep the other ones in people's mm. radar, you know. So for that reason, you know, I'm for it. You know, why not do it? Um, I noticed that they stopped writing other Amber novels. I think they maybe published one or two, and I did not read them, so I have no idea if they're any good at all. But um, And there's a new iRobot book by someone else. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Well, what, what do you think of this? There's another one that came in from Macmillan. This is Halo, Glasslands by Karen Travis. Um, this is Though the Covenant Has Collapsed, Humanity's War is Far From Over. Um, what do you think of that type of thing? It's read mm-hmm. by Eon Morton, and uh, it's 12 CDs. Well, it's a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the old trend was to do television-based licenses or movie-based, movie-based licenses, Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, I, I think for a certain age, people seem to like those, and, and they, they read a lot of them. I used to read a lot of Star Trek Next Generation books back when that was uh, what was in the... Um, in the market. truth comes out. <laughs> but you know, I think, I they're, think terrible. Video... they're terrible. Generally. <laughs> oh, a lot of them are good, but you're right. People want to revisit Generally. the, you know, mm-hmm. the same universe and mm-hmm. see a little bit more, but yeah, they're, they're, they don't tend to, I mean, none of the Star Wars books, they don't tend to uh, burst your brain with great ideas. They tend to, you know, feel familiar and it's nice to spend time with the characters you like. No, yeah, right? it's most generally stuff happens fiction. Yeah, almost always. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's not just Halo too. There's the there's the um, there's Gears of War books too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I saw those. Uh, I saw someone reading an Eve Online book. I think the other day. I was I was surprised by that. I think that one might have a little more uh, interest because anything is possible in the Eve Online universe. It seems, whereas uh, Halo, it it seems to be combat based. Whereas you you could have like a you know whole economies uh, crashing down around you in in Eve Online. Eve Online's a very interesting to read about. I wonder if it's any any fun to play. Hmm. I don't know. I like to consider those kinds of books though kind of gateway books. I think a lot of people, you I, know, might get interested in the genre by reading something that they're familiar with, the the world that they're familiar with and then moving on to Oh, that's a that's a neat way to think of that. That's things. cool. Yeah, I think yeah. that's something. That well it, that was really true for me. Um well the first science fiction book I ever remember reading was Dolphin Island by Arthur C. Clarke. But I had those, you know, when I was really young, I had those James Blish, um, Star Trek, uh, what do you call them? No- they're not really novelizations because they're not novels, but you know what I mean. James Blish wrote uh, short stories for every Star Trek episode. Oh, did And he? back then, the, yeah, and back then there uh-huh. were a few Star Trek novels out, not too many, but I did read those when I was really young. Um, you know, they're kind of that first wave of Star Trek novel, and, and that opened up a whole lot. But you're right, that's exactly how... It happened in my life anyway. They opened up yep. everything else. So, cool. That's right. I think I read Splinter in, of the Mind's Eye as a kid. That's one of mm-hmm. the, I think, the first Star Wars book. Yeah. So. Yeah, cool. I, I think the, that's the first stand, uh, first not based on a script, right? Right. Because there was the original Star Wars novelization, and then Alan Dean Foster wrote the, the follow-up to it. Right. That's right. Okay, and here's another one from Macmillan. Um, those last two that I mentioned were both from Macmillan. This one's called The Thirteen Hollows by Michael Scott and Colette Friedman. Um, this appears to be a YA fantasy novel. 
Um, the hallows, ancient artifacts imbued with a primal and deadly power, um, period. <laughs> That's not really a sentence. Um, but they are protectors of this world or the keys to its destruction. But are they protectors of this world or the keys to its destruction? A gruesome murder in London reveals a sinister plot to uncover a 2,000-year-old secret. Um, yeah, so, etc. Has a picture of a sword on the front. Um, but anyway, have you guys heard of that book at all? No. Yeah, yeah. I haven't either. Okay. One of my students is obsessed with the... Uh, with that, uh, I am number four. He's, oh, he said, when the, "When's the new book coming out?" <laughs> I don't, I don't know that, but uh, uh, I, I think isn't that supposed to be terrible? Uh, he loved it though. I have yeah, no idea if the book's something. any good, but um, the the movie wasn't all that good, is what I hear. I haven't watched that either, so yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, series, especially when you are young and you you want to read more and feel those familiar thoughts and see what happens next. So mm-hmm. all of those, those YA series are kind of like that, is, is my feeling. Gotcha. Minus the sweatshops, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, well, that, in that case, it's, 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 it's more like a contractual sweatshop, I think. Uh, I think the guy who wrote it was an adult, but working for another... Huh. That's, a, that's a scary situation from what I was reading about it on io9 or wherever years ago. Okay. All right. Okay, the sure. next one comes in from Brilliance. This is an angry robot book. Um, it's in infer- angry robot. <laughs> infer- <laughs> Do you throw them at angry pig pig robots? <laughs> All right. Mildly annoyed automaton. Hmm. All right. This one's Infernal Devices by K. W. Jeter, read by Michael Page. So this is a classic steampunk novel. Tam told me. I think me. it's the first ever steampunk novel. Yeah, on the back it says, The and Return of the Lost Steampunk Classic with a brand new introduction by the author and scholarly afterward by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, there's a very short description, so I'll read it. When George's father died, he left his son a watchmaker's shop and a whole lot more. But George has little talent for watches and other infernal devices. When someone tries to steal an old device from the premises, George finds himself embroiled in a mystery of time travel, Wild music and sexual intrigue. And that's the description. It's from '87, and uh, I, I like the, I like the fact that it's it's an old book. Uh, maybe that means it's good. He actually coined the term steampunk. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. He, he, I guess it was kind of a parody of cyberpunk, but having, yeah, old-fashioned things instead. Mm-hmm. And then it, the steampunk genre kind of morphed into different ideas and stuff. Yeah, I, I might be up for that one. Okay. Sounds Mark, good. A good. Well, <laughs> you're a little bit uh, off, uh, quick off the mark there, Tam. But yeah, a little trigger I, happy. Yeah, I think I think it might be worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did notice that Tam marked it to read in September 2010. That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then someday I'll read. Tam's got prior uh, priors on it, so I'll let you have it. Cool. All right, next up, uh, this is a fantasy by John Crowley. Um, it's called Little Big. Uh, yeah, you see. were talking about that, Scott. 20, yeah, it's 20 CDs long. Um, yes, that is big. It, it is, is big. a little big. Uh, here's the description. <laughs> Edgewood is many houses all put inside each other or across each other, filled with, sur- filled with and surrounded by mystery and enchantment. The further in you go, the bigger it gets. 
Smokey Barnable, who has fallen in love with daily Alice Drinkwater, travels from the city on foot to Edgewood, her family home. There he finds himself on the magical border of another world. Um, yeah, the reason I mentioned this um, to you, Jesse, was uh, John Crowley comes really highly recommended. He wrote a book called Egypt, A-E-G-Y-P-T, okay. or Egypt with an A in front of it. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was talked about by Stefan Rudnicki in that one interview we heard. All right. Yeah, and um, well, you know, as an example of a book that he really, really wanted to get done, but uh, the author ended up reading it. Um, oh. So, so yeah. So, Little Big is another one of his um, famous books. Engine Summer is another one. Who's the narrator on this? Uh, read by the author, John Crowley. Oh. So it's a long, yeah, it's a long book too. Um, um, I think it has fairies. Yeah, uh, it has the apparently an allusion to the Cottingley fairies. I was. I was talking about those earlier this week with somebody. Uh, you know about those? Everybody? No. Uh, uh, Cottingly. Just regular fairies. Uh, there was a couple of, there was a teenage girl and her 10-year-old cousin, I think, who took some <clears throat> pictures of fairies in the garden near their countryside home in England and uh, in the early 20th century. And uh, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about them and cited the pictures as evidence for spiritualism being real uh, early, you know, I guess later in his career in the 1920s or so. It's all true. (laughs) Well, it's all true except for the fact that later on they both confessed that uh, the pictures were faked. Uh, (laughs) Uh, But one of the things was everybody's proclaimed that they were real. They, 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 They underwent a lot of scrutiny on those pictures and everybody's like, oh no, they're absolutely real. I mean, for a long time they thought they were real. Well, certainly that—that's how Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, talked. Um, but uh, as I was, I was showing the pictures to somebody, uh, saying, "Yeah, it's fine to imagine that there's these little creatures that we haven't noticed before, but where did they get their clothing? Was <laughs> it a little factory we didn't <laughs> notice as well? Uh, they, one of them's playing like a, uh, some pan pipes, you know." Uh, do they have a little uh, manufacturing business to make those? It's, I think the Kid Gap makes them. Yeah, the the fairy gap. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of it's kind of like photo. Uh, there's there's even a, a Terry Jones book uh, called Lady Coddington's Press Fairy Book that kind of takes the idea and says that uh, Lady Coddingly, uh would wait in the garden with a book and then whenever a fairy landed on it he would snap it shut and it would be like you know flowers pressed into a bucket so you see all these um you see all these uh fairies squished between the pages and they're like in me in yeah it's kind of gruesome because there's like little purples and pink smears inside (laughs) nice it's really funny (laughs) yeah oh wow all right next up also go ahead i was just gonna say don't piss off the fairies they can really get you (laughs) that's right all right. Uh, next up, also from Blackstone, is uh, book two and book three of the Ringworld. Uh, what? What is it now? Is there four of them? I think there's four or five. Okay. Um, the, the book two is called The Ringworld Engineers, and book three is called The Ringworld Throne, uh, both read by Paul Michael Garcia. I've read all, all three of those, and I think there's a fourth one I might have read as well. So are they worthwhile, they, the sequels? I really enjoyed the Ringworld Engineers. The when I found out it existed, 
Um, I read the I read Ringworld, and then I said, "There's a sequel," and I read that, and then uh, it was like it was still had interesting bits, but mm-hmm. it got less interesting. So there's a diminishing returns going on there, um, and that universe has been expanded as well. You know, Heinlein, not Heinlein, Niven has his own. Uh, it's called Known Space Universe, and a lot of these. Uh, stories are in that. Most of his writing is in that in some way. The Protector is the same universe. Yeah, now Protector, I think that that's his, actually his best novel. I've, I've read most of his stuff, and I think that's his best novel. It's so... Um, Steve Gibson agrees with you. Oh, yeah, did you listen to that show? I haven't listened to that yet. The uh, Yeah, it's, re- it's really good. I was kind of do a post on it. Special or something? Yeah, please do. Yeah, the Security Now podcast did well. Episode totally devoted to science fiction. They talked about Peter F. Hamilton and uh, David Weber. So I, I think I'm gonna post about it. Paul Michael, Paul Michael Garcia is a really good narrator too. So um, it, it, Blackstone had done them before, but it was a long time ago on cassette. So they probably wanted to. I think the narrator is good. It's just um, you know it was recorded on tape. It was so old. It's from the 80s. So they. Probably- so Kristen, what did what did you think of the original Ringworld again? I I didn't care for the story and the, what was going on very much. I liked the world, though. I thought that was an interesting premise. I've got to say, also, I listened to that one. So I listened to the Grover Gardner reading of the original. I like Grover Gardner's yeah, narrator. Yeah, he's, he's terrific. So. And the ring world is stable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to question the science of every book we talk oh, about. Wow. No, that, I, I think that's it's a line I think, why. I read, a, I read a group of MIT students actually protested at conventions, and they would say, Ringworld is unstable. Ringworld is unstable. So he had the right to sequel to explain away the signs that it would actually be stable. Yeah. And I, I think that that wasn't the explanation for the third and the fourth and the fifth books. No. Oh, okay. I think that, I think that uh, hefty sales were the answer to that. It'll never be stable. We have to write another one. Yeah. Well, it, it's true. Like in, in Ringworld Engineers, he he does explain some stuff that. You know, if you think about it, the ring world wouldn't work in many ways. It's a simulation of a of sort of a planet-like atmosphere, but uh, if you have uh, mountains, they'll just get worn down after a million years. So how do, how do you have mountains rebuilt? And how do, he's got all sorts of explanations that are built into uh, the story of world engineers. I, I read the wheel was just like spin off the axis unless there was like stabilizing rockets or something. Yeah, that was one of the the major complaints, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. sounds like I need to read Ringworld Engineers. <laughs> well, cool. apparently we got a copy. We do. Okay. Um, also from Blackstone, A Canticle for Leibowitz, read by Tom Weiner. I think um, that was released a long time ago yes. uh, on books on tape, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So this is the first reissue since then. Uh, oh, okay. 15 or 20 I didn't years. realize it was a, an unabridged edition anywhere. All I knew about was the uh, NPR audio Yeah, there was an NPR version as well, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good for us. A good story is hard to find. Yeah, that would be fun to read. Read that. I'd, I'd like to hear what you guys had to say about that. That would be fun. Okay, here's one called Working for the Devil by Lilith St. Crow, um, unabridged from Brilliance Audio. Um, Dante Valentine's got one hell of a new job. Um, Dante Valentine's working relationship with the devil wasn't her choice, but if you don't turn down a contract with Lucifer and live. 
Her uh, her name is Dante. Dante Valentine. Yeah. Valentine Dante <laughs> might make more sense. But <laughs> I don't know, but that's a hot name, Dante. And it is book one. Yeah, it's uh, the last who knows name. how many? Yep. Oh. oh no, it's a it's a male first name, Dante Alighieri. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I don't why a woman would be named Dante. <laughs> All right. And oh wow! Now, there are at least five books in that series. It looks like five, huh? Yeah, she's. I think they're not that long, though. How how long did you? Yeah, take? it's not too big here. This one's um, ten hours, eleven yeah, hours. It's a very reasonable size compared to most uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Is that urban fantasy? I would I say so. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. So Kristen will read that one. Hmm. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, I, Brilliance also sent along the latest uh, Baroque Cycle novel on audio. I think that's um, Volume Seven. Yep, yeah, this is going to be Volume Seven. It's called Currency. Book Seven. Is that of part the, of? Do you know which book that's part of? It, when they broke it down? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, did they break them down to? Well, there's yeah, only three books. The yeah, there's only three and books, three and this is Book Seven. Ones. So yeah. I would have to say this is part of the third. That's my guess. Don't you think? Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. You read that whole thing, right, Kristen? Oh, yeah. I've read all three. I've read all three, actually, multiple enjoy times. Those? I love them. Oh, I cool. love those I need books. To read those. Wow. They are on but my I'm list. But I'm a big history buff, so anything yeah. that puts physics and science into history, I'm going to probably love. All so. right. Cool. Uh, by the way, uh, Tam, I just discovered that uh, our book you mentioned is available. Distrust that particular flavor is uh, available oh, it is. from Tantor. Okay, but it's not audible yet. That's great. Well, it should be out shortly if it's not. Okay. Remember that uh, Tantor also offers um, uh, DRM-free downloads. That's true. You could get the the MP3 version of it. That's cool. Excellent. Okay, another classic um, from Brilliance Audio, A Fall of Moondust by Arthur C. Clarke. Um, Now that I'm pretty interested in. mm -hmm. I, I I think I... Maybe I put in that request already if I didn't. Okay. I'm very interested in it. I've never read that book. Or if I have, it was so long ago I completely have forgotten it. Yeah, I, I read it. Be- um, this is one of the first Clarks I read. Um, I, I remember it pretty clearly. It's about a um, kind of a tour bus on the moon. You know, mm-hmm. zipping around the moon. It's not, not really a bus. It's a moon. Well, yeah. But it's got a lot of people in it, and they're taking a tour, and everything's great. And then they go into a crater, and they sink. So yeah. um, it's kind of a, you know, Poseidon adventure <laughs> on the moon. Yeah. Uh, BBC Radio did a really good drama of it, too. Yeah, I think that's what I heard. Oh, cool. Um, it came out in 81, but it's a, it should be available on Radio Archive. And, uh, oh, it's on CD as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay, now here's a book that I have not heard of until now. Um, it's called Time Caster. Uh, there's... Two little things on the front. Uh, one says, Mankind Can Rewind. And then it says, Funny, Sexy, Action-Packed on the front, if you can believe that. Okay. It says, J.A. Cornrath, writing as Joe Kimball, and is performed by Patrick Lawler. So, um, Chicago 2064. Talon Avalon is a timecaster, one of a select few peace officers who can operate a TEV, a Tachyon Emission Visualizer which records events, most specifically crimes, that have already happened. With crime at an all-time low, Talon has a little to do, or little to do, except give lectures to school kids and obsess on his wife's profession as a licensed sex partner. Until one of her clients asks Talon to investigate a possible murder. 
When Talon uses the TEV to view the crime, the identity of the killer is unmistakable. It's him, Talon Avalon. Wow, doesn't that sound like something else? That sounds like a. Uh, it sounds like uh, a minority report. Yeah, Sign, a little uh, bit. Starring. That, that's uh, exactly what I was thinking. Instead of yeah. precogs, it, except not precogs, it's postcogs. Uh-huh. Cause, right, cause uh huh. Right. Stuff that's already happened. Yeah, that's right. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I I was I was re- reading. You guys were chatting before in text, and uh, Kristen, you said you had a an idea for a novel that you wanted somebody to write. <laughs> um, and I. Idea. And uh, I had I had one um, kind of similar, and I, I bet it's been done though. That's the thing is, is similar to this one is you have a I guess it'd be a, some sort of fantasy or something where you have the detective uh, can revivify a brain uh, shortly after death, like for like thirty seconds or something, and, and you can just ask the person, "Hey, who shot you?" And the you know zombie mind comes back to life for a second, and uh, and so people would be trying to you know, not just kill the guy, but also destroy their head so they can. Or kill them stealthily. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine, too. Assassin's Creed type situation. Yeah, that, that would work. Yeah, you know what? That's another book I saw somebody wandering around yeah, with, carrying on an Assassin's Creed book. Oh. Uh, and I was like, that's a, that's a book series? Now, well, it's a, if it's a popular license, it's a book series. That's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, the, uh, the who is it? Brent Weeks wrote The Shadow... Uh, Way of Shadows, Perfect Shadow. He wrote a couple of books that look like they belong in an Assassin's Creed type thing, and their their, their premise is very similar to that video game. So hmm. that also, every time I see that cover, I think of Assassin's Creed. Some guy with a curved uh, uh, knife or something, jumping off a rooftop and landing on somebody down. Or the guy deep in the deep in deep with the hood into yeah. the shadows. Well, uh, hoodies are real popular, so. I think that's part of the appeal of that game. What do you think? That I've must never be. It. <laughs> that must be it. Everybody likes to wear hoodies. Yep. <laughs> the, the Brent Weeks trilogy is the Night Angel trilogy that I was thinking of. The Way of Shadows is the first one. Are those good? Um, you know, they're, they're they're decent. You can tell it's his first book, and you can tell where he was, who his influences are. Particularly in the first book, you're like, oh, there's a Robert Jordan thing. Oh, there's a Tolkien thing. But, you know, as, as the stories go, they're not bad. I actually just uh, finished reading a short novella that was a like a, a sort of a prequel to that series, and it was really good. It was quite – the magic he's got is quite interesting. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're on graphic audio now, either the first uh-huh. series or the second series. So it's fully dramatized. Cool. All right. uh, I was, I was going to mention uh, the comic book Chew. And then Chew, uh, a cop goes up to a dead body, then like eats a finger, and then he can find out who killed him. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> so it's kind of like Jesse's idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that comic sounded like a really weird premise. It sounds like something out of Japan, but I, apparently it's not. Wow. It seems popular. I think Merle Lafferty's reading it. <laughs> nice. I think she gave it four stars or something. All right. Okay, I've got another one here. This is uh, Wild Cards 2, Aces High, performed by Luke Daniels, edited by George R.R. R. Martin. Um, it's got stories in here by Lewis Shiner, Walter John Williams, Roger Zelazny, uh, Walt, Walton Simons, Melinda Snodgrass, Pat Cadigan, um, John J. Miller, and Victor Milan. Victor Milan. Anyway, very cool. 
I'm looking uh, forward to reading Secure. one of those at some point. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, Wild Cards 1 is headed Kristen's way. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right, well, that's, all, like I, that's all I have in hard copy. Um, but there's a whole lot of stuff that's come out on Audible, and Jenny sent us a note, and I, <laughs> I need to read it here oh. after taking a deep <laughs> breath. Since I can't be there Saturday, can someone pretty, pretty please mention this and how much I love Madeline Lingle and how I used to read A Wrinkle in Time every year and still kind of do okay. You don't have to tell my story, but look. <laughs> and <laughs> there is a 50th anniversary, I think, clicking on it right now, a 50th anniversary release of A Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yes, wow. the is Time Quintet Book One, uh, read Did by Hope Davis. Did the other books? I have not read these. I haven't I read that have. one. I was so looking I read at full time as a kid, and then I read the other two, and then I realized there were two more. I actually read, I think, the fourth one. I didn't realize there was a fifth one, though. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> I was looking at my. Uh, I was scanning in a whole bunch of old records and going totally digital. And a while ago, I was scanning in my uh, my elementary school report card, and it was uh, I think grade seven. And apparently it was so important it ended up on my report card. It said, uh, Jesse has re- truly enjoyed Madeline Lengel's uh, A Wrinkle in Time. And he did a wonderful project on it. It's like, I can't remember the book at all other than it being really good. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> anything about it. Oh, how cool. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it, I, I wouldn't even have guaranteed that I'd read it except for the fact that it said that it, I had in there. So uh, I, I think it's about, I think it's time travel, isn't it? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's sort of a parallel world thing, but yeah. Okay. Well, it's been that's a long cool. time. That was one of my that was one of my first sci-fi fantasy books ever. And then you get into the second one, and it's more. I think that one was a swiftly tilting planet, and it's mm. much more sci-fi. But yeah, that was definitely that and the Pern series were my gateway drugs <laughs> as a kid. Pern. I think I got an email about that um, that audiobook. The uh, Madeline Lagal. Uh, well, it's 50th anniversary, right? Yeah. Uh, what's the who's the publisher? Does it say Scott? Um, I don't have it in front of me anymore. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I think okay, it might well, be it's, Audible. It's findable. Oh, there. No, it is. I don't think it is. I think it's a mainstream publisher. Um, okay, I'm it looking might... it up right now. And listening library. So Random House. Yeah, there yep. you go. Random House. Okay, on um, on Audible. Anyway, thanks Jenny for sending that in. <laughs> on Audible, you, we've got some cool stuff that's been new- newly released. Um, uh, how about the Greg Mandel trilogy by Peter F. Hamilton? Um, Tam- I, I Tam- finished the that? first one, and uh-huh. I'm in the middle of the second one. Very cool. And the first one's called Mind Star Rising, and the yes. second one's called a Quantum, Quantum Murder. So, what yes. do you? What are those about, Tam? Um, well, Peter F. Hamilton writes, I guess, hard sci-fi, but uh, he does really good characters, so he's a pretty good writer besides that. And this is like his first uh, trilogy before all the other ones, and it's about a guy that's been uh, cybernetically in- – well, this is kind of unbelievable. He's cybernetically enhanced to be kind of uh, psychic, like a betazoid on Star Trek. He can sense someone else's emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the first book, they actually had this lady who can uh, see all possible futures. So I guess that's stretching believability, but I, I really, I really enjoyed the first book, especially like the last four hours. Like there's all these plot lines, and then at the end they 
kind of come together. And then I thought it really cooked in the last couple hours. And now I'm in the second book, and there's like this weird side plot line at a college or something with all these students. It's almost like a young adult book. But hmm. then it still has uh, a lot of the characters from the first book, too, like uh, Greg and uh, everyone else. So I, 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 rec- I recommend them so far. Oh, cool. On the uh, a Wrinkle in Time, uh, customers who bought <coughs> Wrinkle in Time also bought Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry Potter and Goodnight iPad. <laughs> but I thought Lady and the Tramp and a Wrinkle in Time. It's very nostalgic for the, both There's both a book periods, called Goodnight iPad? Yeah, Goodnight <laughs> iPad. A parody for the next generation. Huh. So it says on Amazon. Very nice. <laughs> Was Wrinkle in Time a Disney cartoon? Uh, Nothing I'm aware of. I think yeah. It was made into a movie a, or a, a made-for-TV thing a few years ago. I think it was terrible. I actually never got around to watching it. Oh. Interesting. All right. And there's lots of zombie stuff on Audible. Um, <laughs> the latest one is one called, yeah, one called Rise by Gareth Wood, narrated by Jeff Woodman. It's uh, in May of 2004, the dead return to life and begin to hunt the living. Within a few weeks, nations have fallen and the few survivors are scattered and desperate. Rise follows a group of survivors on their journey through apocalyptic Canadian Rockies, the desolate and empty lands of northern British Columbia and Alberta. Hey, we're not desolate or empty. <laughs> <laughs> lots of trees. And but you've got snow. Beasts. That's right. Snow. You've got snow. You, you can write a nasty Amazon review. Here. It'll eventually snow here, we're pretty sure. <laughs> it's been a weird winter. Oh, I had flurries yesterday. Oh, uh, good. In the East Coast, United States. Mm-hmm. It's getting cold. Yeah. Yeah, the warm weather can come back anytime. <laughs> yeah, it's super cold here, but there's no moisture. So, um, if we're if we're entering new releases territory, are mm-hmm. we? Oh yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Blackstone Audio website, and they've got uh, their January releases up. And one of the ones that I'm kind of interested in is uh, it's called Raylan. This is um, uh, Elmore Leonard's new book, um, new novel, I guess, and it's uh, it's actually probably inspired by the television show uh, called Justified. You guys mm-hmm. seen that? I've heard of it. It's no, um, it. What's really cool about Justified is it it really takes uh, his Elmore Leonard's got this thing with dialogue that's just fantastic. You know, like David Mamet's got a style. Elmore Leonard has has a style as well. And uh, the show, every once in a while, it just brings this great sense of I don't know what's going to happen next, but it's going to be surprising, and I'm going to be uh, blown away by you know just a few little character touches that it, I've never seen it happen before on film. Uh, you know, out of sight is a great movie, but it, it's not as close to the book as I read that as too. It could be. It's a great book and a great audio book and a great movie. Uh, but the, the show has every, you know, for a serial show, uh, it does a really good job of Elmore Leonard di- dialogue. And uh, it's based on actually a short story, which got expanded into a novel and then there was a, a second uh, one, and I read uh, those uh, th- when they came out years and years ago in the 90s, I guess. And now I guess he's got a third book uh, starring the same character. It's probably not a sequel. It's just, you know, another book uh, with a federal marshal who gets in trouble with some criminals. 
So that that looks really cool. It's only five CDs, which I think it's an out of sight TV awesome. series too. Oh uh, yeah, I think it got canceled though. Karen Sisko right. it was. Yeah, cool. I don't think it was that great. No, I. Uh, but the, yeah, out of sight is a fantastic audiobook. Uh, I think Grover Gardner did one of the versions as well. Um, so that, that was, movie, that George Clooney cool. and uh, Jennifer Lopez. That, that was a really good. That was like Jennifer Lopez's best movie. Uh, I agree, but also um, just a fantastic story, right? Yeah, really, really cooking, and um, uh, the the I'm just very happy to see a five CD audiobook, you know, coming out that's brand new. Um, also on the uh, Blackstone January releases is Sixth Column. By Robert Heinlein, which that's on Audible too. Yeah, and the thing is, is that that's one of the few ones that I probably read and can't remember at all. I know that it's uh, around the same time period as as the one we did as a read along um, a while back, and uh, so it's probably not his most spectacular writing. Mm-hmm. A lot is of, that an, a lot an of, early book. Yeah, it's an early book. Probably a lot of people in meetings uh, raising their arms when. <laughs> people are arguing how old who's the oldest person in this room who's the smartest person in this room? you know that sort of thing but um, a new Heinlein audiobook is always a good idea and it's read by Tom Weiner aka Grover Gardner oh no not aka Grover Gardner Tom Weiner who's also a really good narrator for Blackstone yeah um, and Scott you, did you see Voices from the Edge Volume 1 is out again Oh yeah, we didn't mention those before. Um, I think that they republished um, the original two and then have added three. I thought we mentioned those in the past. I think he's up I, to volume five now on Audible. Yeah, I think they've just re- re-released it. Um, uh-huh. Is that Harlan Ellison? Yeah, Harlan uh, Ellison. He had his okay. first two were in hard copy, and then um, the next three were released on Audible. I don't believe there was hard copies of any of those three, and then they re-released one and two. Also, was that a TV um, radio show or something? No, it, they're, they're short story collections. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's reading it himself, which means uh, you're in for a real treat. Yeah, he's a real good narrator. He's yeah. a terrific narrator. One of, he, he's one of the best out there. Um, Very for, energetic. For a certain kind of, yeah, certain kind of passion. I, I don't know about him reading Jane Austen, but I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, got a, he's, another, he's got another kind of passion that would work. How about Jane Slayer? Uh, I think I think you would tear, tear the the author's head off. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty crotchety. Um, yeah, and for for somebody if they're not familiar with Harlan Ellison and you want to try one of those, I would yeah. recommend Volume One, um, just because it's got a lot of his most popular stuff in it. Um, like I have no mouth and I must scream and repent. Harlequin said the TikTok man and yeah. Paladin of the Lost Hour. And a boy and his dog. Anyway, if you want an introduction to him, that's a great way to go. Yeah. And, and the whole audio is only six hours long. Yeah, five CDs. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I have no mouth and I must scream. I just found uh, the original publication in a magazine. It's got some Holy scary cow. looking illustrations. It's only, it's only 10 bucks. It's $9.77. Oh, sweet deal. Unbelievable. I have no mouth is a good uh, BBC. Audio adaption too. Oh, I think uh, Scott, you're looking at the uh, Audible price, right? Because I'm looking well, at well, uh, the regular price is thirteen ninety six, right? And I guess the member price is nine seventy seven. It's forty one dollars for five CDs on uh, on Blackstone. So, oh, I think, yeah, I'm looking think, at Audible. <laughs> I think Audible might be the cheap way to go in this case. 
Um, also out uh, this month is Immortality Inc., which was available on Audible prior, but that's the one that actually may be either before the show or after the show, depending on how we schedule it, but uh, that's our latest read-along. And read by Bronson Pinchot. How's that narration? I've actually just picked that up from Audible, but I haven't had a chance to listen it's good. to it yet. It's good. He's, he's, uh, he's, got, he, he's got one Peter Lorre uh, voice in there, and he's got a bunch of uh, sort of matronly, and he, he's really good with voices, you know. Have you heard any of his stuff? Not that I can think of. That's what I was trying to. I was trying to think if I've listened to anything else from him, and I don't think I have. So you'll like, you'll like I'm looking him. forward he's, to this one. He's he's really gets to you know, uh, if you think of his movie career and his television career, he does lots of accents and voices and that sort of thing, and he does that here as well. But his straight reading voice, you just kind of forget that it's him because it he doesn't sound like him, you know. But yeah, it's he's a really good narrator. I think I posted a, an interview with him from Blackstone. Oh, wow, that was really good. Um, last on this January releases, I wanted to point out uh, Door into Ocean by Joan Slonsovitz, I think is how it's pronounced. Probably wrong. Um, now, this is one I wanted to read in university, but never got a chance to because uh, the course, um, you know, they always assign 15 books and we only get to six. Um, but I hear this is a classic of science fiction. Winner of the John W. Campbell Memorial Award, uh, Science Fiction Book Club Selection, and 14 CDs. It's mm-hmm. described as, The sharers of Shora are a nation of women on a distant moon in the far future. They are pacifists. They are highly advanced in biological science, and they reproduce by parthenogenesis. Because there are no males... Oh, well, obviously. Uh, (laughs) Conflict erupts when a militaristic neighboring civilization sends an army to develop their ocean world. A groundbreaking work of feminist science fiction and world-building hard sci-fi, or sorry, hard science fiction, uh, Door into Ocean is a novel that solidified Joan Slonsovitz. Is, uh, yeah, Slonsovitz, I can't say it. (laughs) Uh, reputation is an important science fiction writer. I don't know of anything else she's written other than this, but I hear it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. But he's read that. Not I. Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got one something else I wanted to mention. When I was sure. putting these um, brilliance audiobooks onto uh, the new book in feed. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. When I was putting the library books onto the um, Twitter feed, I'm sorry mm-hmm. about that, and the I noticed that the prices are super low. Um, I don't know if this is kind of a permanent change, but Hominids, for example, is mm-hmm. uh, $15.99 for 10 That's... CDs. Uh, it says list price $19.99, and our price is $15.99. And as I was putting them out there, um, a lot of them were that cheap. So that's kind oh. of an amazing shift, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like, I, let me type in a fall of moon dust. Yeah, that's amazing. Let me just see if we're still on that. Boom, boom. Okay, moon dust. I've got to spell it correctly. Anybody uh, getting there before me? No. Okay, so it's coming. 
Oh, are you looking up on Amazon? No, I'm, this is on audiobookstand.com or brilliantsaudio.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, so A Fall of Moon Dust, $15.99. Seven CDs, and this is the hard yeah, that's, copy. That's incredibly cheap for uh, audiobooks. Yeah, that's great. An hard copy. Yeah. Great news, yep. Um, especially with um, a great book like that. I mean, I, I can... <laughs> I, I can't believe, like, you know, a book like uh, uh, 1984 costs the same as, uh, you know, some random book from today. Uh-huh. You, you see them on the shelf and you say, well, I could have a classic that I'm guaranteed to like, assuming I haven't read it before. Or I could pick up this book that has a girl with a tattoo on her back. Well, uh, hmm, which am I going to get? They're both the same price. Hmm, which, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, pricing, pricing does play a role. Especially when you're young and you're trying to buy stuff, pricing does play a role. So this is, uh, yeah, that's a good trend. Mm. Very cool. Well, that's all I've got. Anybody else have anything? What's what's this post's uh, uh, Tam? You got a post called "Someone Explain the Point of Audible." Uh, that was a thread from uh, the Sword and Laser Group that they. Somebody wants to know why people went to Audible and what the point of audiobooks in general was. That's oh, the what point that's of audiobooks? Oh. Well, audiobooks and Audible. I mean, I think that I don't. I personally didn't get into audiobooks until a few years ago. I don't know that everybody realizes a that you can read while you're doing other things, and mm. b how useful it is, particularly with um, Audible stuff and you know the iPods. I don't know what other MP3 players, but the ability to speed it up so you can progress through a little bit faster. I think I think it's like uh, what's the point of learning to read when someone else can read to me? Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's it's just you know, if you like books, what's the point of reading you know more because you like books? Simple I also think that. people forget that you know people see Audible prices and they'll say, oh my gosh, forty dollars for this book. But then if you remember, you know, you've got it one credit or two credits, so it ends mm-hmm. up being cheaper. You know, if you just if it's a one credit book, so yep. or you can go to the library and get it for free. This is very true. Or you go to the library. If it's available, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the point of Audible. I, I think <laughs> Audible is, is like Amazon. It's just like Amazon for a very specific uh, kind of book. Well, isn't Audible owned by Amazon? It is, yes. I don't think it start, It didn't start that way, but... Uh, Brilliance yeah. Audio is owned by Amazon, too. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, it's... Amazon's got... It's, it's, it's got big fingers... <laughs> going into lots of pies. Um, did anybody get a chance to look at the Tantor uh, new releases? Nobody? Not me, huh? I just Anything good there? Uh, no, I haven't, uh, I haven't looked yet, but um, I'm, uh, I'm, I've become a big fan of them since they started offering the MP3 downloads. I, I've used the, their service really quickly, and, you know, it's... It's it's still it's still not as smooth as uh, Audible. Audible's really smooth, but the fact that they come in MP3 format and they're um, and they're you know they store it in the library just like Audible does. So once you download it, you don't have to worry if you your computer hard drive crashes. You still got a copy. You can go back and get it later. And it's they've got an app and a bunch of stuff as well. But it's very Nice to be able to say, hey, I just listened to this great book here. Have a listen. <laughs> I no. see uh, another zombie book there called uh, The Zombie Autopsies. 
Secret Notebooks from the Apocalypse by Stephen C. Schlotzman, M.D. <laughs> Can I just ask what the what the fascination is with zombies I was, now? I, mean, I was just going to ask the same thing. We went through a werewolf thing. phase and a vampire yeah. phase. I wonder if it's, it right you know, I almost wonder if it's a, a valid question to ask if this has some type of societal significance other than, hmm. you know, a zombie book came out and people liked it. So just like Hollywood, you know, the publishers all want to put out a zombie book to try and catch this wave. And, but I don't, I don't know that there's any kind of, you know, actual something going on in society that makes everybody like zombie books. You know what I mean? Deep meaning to it. Yeah. I don't think there's a deep meaning other than, um, there was a, a couple of good ones and, um, they're just catching this wave. You know, it, it, the same thing, you know, with that urban fantasy, all of the Twilight and Twilight clones and everything that have come out, you know, you got to assume that that wave will stop. At least I, I think it will. I hope it It'll will. It'll get oversaturated. <laughs> I, never thought, I never thought of Twilight as urban fantasy, but I guess now that you pointed out, it probably is. It, yeah. It's probably what created the big thrust of urban fantasy, really. Yeah. You know, I always think, you know, Dresden Files and... Uh, there's some other authors out there who have what I would consider more of the urban fantasy. I consider uh, Twilight to be more romance, but I uh, uh-huh. never thought of that. Uh, suburban romance. Well, the, the reason that I, uh, <laughs> the reason that it occurred to me, I've only read the first one, and the reason it occurred to me is that, you know, I have a daughter and a teenage son, and when you go to the bookstore, the YA section is full of Twilight and Twilight clones. So to me, they were always one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, but yeah, as, as I was pointing that out, I was thinking the same thing as Kristen, but the way I was just wondering, I mean, there's really not a societal reason, I don't think, you know, and I don't even know if that's what you were asking, Kristen, but it's an interesting question to me, you know. No, that was definitely what I was asking. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there seems to be fascination with, I'll say supernatural things, and we seem to go through phases, and I have to wonder what's going on there. Yeah. If it's purely capitalizing on a on a new trend, or if it's something bigger. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's like when, um, <laughs> uh, you know, just as an example, you know, Pixar and uh, the guys at DreamWorks, you know, they come out with the same type of kids movie, you know, starring Bugs. It's all—it's almost like they're both—they're both, you know, trying to go after the same dollar. Not—it's um, not some societal thing. And I think this is just yeah. bigger. That's just my opinion. That seems eminently reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say about Scott. He's eminently, eminently. reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking cool. through the uh, the Audible new releases, and uh, it's striking. <laughs> I think that, you know, I'm looking at science fiction and fantasy. They are almost exclusively uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's fantasy. so much of that. And um, I remember it was right before Christmas, I think. There must mm-hmm. have been, I mean, they did a dump of, there must have been like eight zombie novels in a row. They just said, hey, let's go out and get all the zombie novels we can and... Um, yeah, but I was the putting no, him in. I was putting him in our new audiobook in list, and I'm just like, "Holy cow! <laughs> zombies, zombies again, zombies again!" Yeah. 
Now, I did spot one that isn't uh, in this, as far as I can tell. Uh, It's called Night of the Long Knives. Uh, It's Fritz Leiber. Mm -hmm. And um, it's from a publisher called Open Book Audio, which I've not heard of. But three hours, 17 minutes. Hmm. Oh, that's short. Yeah, nice and short. Um, You know, I wonder if it... Oops, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, Ray and Alice are Deathland buggers. The ones who, after the destruction of the world, found it impossible to interact with others and became a race of wandering murderers. Far from being a conscious choice, however, buggers simply can't control their inborn urge to murder, so they usually travel solo. While Alice and Ray inadvertently stumble across one another in the Deathlands, they must decide whether... Deathlands is capitalized. They must decide whether to give in to their urge to murder one another or not. Their dance of death is interrupted first by a strange plane appearing in the middle of nowhere, then by a chatty, congenial stranger named Pop, who also appears from nowhere. Together, the three of them embark on a journey to escape from the Deathlands that has completely unintended consequences. It's a very original-sounding premise. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Probably as close to Fritz Leiber came to zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What were you going to say, Scott? I was going to say, you know, it's it's probably too much to ask, but to me, it's it's weird to have something like, and I'm just opening up this list here. Um, hold on. Um, okay. Uh, how about this? Um, Lothair, Immortals After Dark, Book Eleven. It's it's odd for me to have that in the same list as um, A Fall of Moon Dust by Arthur yeah, C. Clarke. Yeah. Yeah. They're so completely different, and it's even so com- uh, completely different from a lot of fantasy. Um, it's, yeah, weird. it's like it's Westerns weird how and we nonfiction those. together, yeah. right? Yeah. It's weird how, you know, I, I don't for sure, I remember Robert J. Sawyer saying once that uh, mystery had more in common with science fiction than fantasy does. Absolutely and, does. Um, it's interesting how it got grouped together in the publishing world where, at least in the United States, we have a science fiction and fantasy section. And I've heard that in England... They've got a science fiction section and then a fantasy section is separate. Um, uh, on the Audible site or just... No, no, uh, no. On, yeah. on a bookshelf, if you went to a bookstore. Yeah, well, I, I've, seen, I've seen... Yeah, my, my local bookstore has a science fiction section and a fantasy section, but they're right beside each other, right beside the mystery section. Well, in, in the bookstores I go to, they're, they're all mixed together. But I, oh, I know yeah. there's some of them you know, that blur the lines, like... You know, let's say, um, you know, we mentioned Pern earlier, you know, like mm. Dragonflight by Anne McCaffrey. Is that science fiction or is that fantasy? Fantasy. Um, I think it's science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Having never read it, I it's can science fiction. It's science fiction because of how they explain the dragons. The dragons aren't some magical creature. They're actually genetically engineered to fight this thread um, stuff. Isn't that right, Kristen? I don't know if you recall. Yeah, that, but that, 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 that definitely is what I recall as well. Yeah, so they, um, they were a genetically think, engineered know, thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I think, you know, I was just looking up A Wrinkle in Time because I wanted to re- see if they had made that, that movie, mm-hmm. which they did in 2003 for whatever that's worth. But anyway, um, <laughs> they were starting to call that one science fantasy. I was like, yeah, that kind of works. Uh-huh. I think that's a good way to describe mm-hmm. that when, the, when yeah, they made the crossover. And that's what Star Wars would be, right? Star Wars would be science fantasy. It's not myth. Yeah, yeah well, myth. Right, right. Yeah, because the, the the science in Star Wars is 
well, it's not really science, it's gadgetry. You know, all, all of the uh, electronics gadgetry and the robots and yeah, yeah, and everything, they just work. You know, there's, uh, well, except for, I guess, the Millennium Falcon breaks down. But <laughs> anyway, my point <laughs> is <laughs> that there's not a lot of science in that, but yet it's set in space, so it's called science fiction. But it's really not. That's not really what science yeah, fiction is. Yeah, it's really is. classic myth or fantasy. Right, right. But I guess it would be way too complicated to try and uh, split them up into this. But still, I mean, werewolves, yeah, werewolves should, don't belong next to the to the fallen moon and dust. They, they do have a tag. I mean, if you go to uh, Audible and you do a, you know, they've got it divided. They've got a Doctor Who section, a classic sci sci-fi section, Star Wars section, but they don't break the new releases down that way, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to look at uh, sci-fi classic. Uh, there's 377 in that. There's 196 Doctor Who's. <laughs> mm. There's uh, uh, Fantasy Contemporary, 559. And Sci-Fi Contemporary, 1183. So I think their sci-fi is, is getting a little bit mixed with, uh, with some other stuff. Yeah, that is interesting. I haven't noticed those categories Fantasy, before on the left there. Fantasy Paranormal, 812. Yeah. Fantasy Epic 503. So, Yeah, I never noticed that either. I don't usually search by genre, though. Usually I just know what I'm looking for. Yeah, and, and there's not <laughs> such an overwhelming amount of stuff being released every time that I can't go through those, but it's just odd to have you know all those paranormal fantasies next to... I mean, because I, I don't imagine that there's a lot of people that read them both, um, but I, I know a lot of people who read you know science fiction and fantasy. You know, par paranormal fantasy seems to have a a certain. Well, there is a lot of crossover. I do. I do I know think people. Paranormal both. fantasy is is uh, yeah. synonymous, isn't it? But you know, who who do you know who's read Childhood's End and um, I don't know, pick a paranormal fantasy. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I've read I read the first Charlene Harris book, um, mm -hmm. and I read uh, the one you mentioned. What, what did you mention? Fall Moon Dust? No, I haven't read that yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I have I, read, I have read Twilight, Twilight, but that was because, you know, my kids are reading it, you know, so I said, oh, I better read it. But I only read the first one. I didn't read anywhere past it. Um, and how did you feel after reading it? Did you feel sick? Did I feel sick? No. Yeah. No? <laughs> I didn't think it was good <laughs> at all. I was, I, the feeling that I had is, you know, how, how is this popular? That's the feeling that I had. I, felt, I was I, felt I was wondering why what's the appeal? The humanity after re reading half a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel you know that way a lot. I guess. I wonder, you know, just watch TV for a minute. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, do we got any more? Do you want to talk about uh, pick of the week? Because I got a good pick. Oh, I didn't come up with anything, or I didn't think you to can think, think of something. You can think of something while I I jabber. Okay, <laughs> jabber away. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know, uh, we've been doing a lot of Lovecraft lately, and uh, one of the books I picked up, a comic book I picked up um, late last year, was called Neonomicon, uh, which I I actually when I picked it up, I thought it was uh, uh, Necronomicon, right? Um, oh, somebody's having trouble. We lose Tam. They're having a conversation. <laughs> it sounds like we've lost Tam. We've lost Tam. I cannot hear Tam. He's oh, falling into the hole. He's falling into the abyss. Oh, poor Tam. Yep. Oh, well. 
Tim, we'll come be? back for you. We promise. Sometime, maybe. <laughs> we, we get a chance. In any case, <laughs> in any case, um, this mm-hmm. book is uh, called Neonomicon, and it's by Alan Moore, the guy who uh, wrote Watchmen and. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he does basically the same thing that he does with you know superheroes and with um, with classic figures of nineteenth century uh, uh, serial fiction, I guess. And in this, um, he's working on the Lovecraft um, world, and he does an amazing job with it. This uh, Neonomicon, I was couldn't believe it. I, I read the first third, and then I wrote a post about it. And I was saying, this is really impressive, and it scares the crap out of me. Uh, You know, the thing about Lovecraft, you read Lovecraft and you say, uh, okay, that's all very nice with the adjectives, but uh, I wasn't freaked out, I was just more creeped out, right? Well, in the translation to a visual, and, you know, what he does, along with Jason Burroughs, the artist in in the comic, is he turns the the visual... Uh, you know, description of necrophagous things, uh, and and turns it into a moral horror. Um, working at sort of what the subtext of Lovecraft is working on, and I I don't want to go into too much detail because I think you know if you're into Lovecraft, you should pick it up. I was very impressed by this book. It's it's one of the most surprising comics I've ever read. <laughs> and freaky, freaky, really freaky, like. Uh, you know, I, I'm always railing against things like the Comics Code Authority, but after reading this, I was like, oh, maybe it was a good idea, <laughs> because <laughs> this, is, this is frightening. Wow. Uh, and I, I had heard um, from the comic book store guys that it was, it was uh, some people liked it, some people didn't. Uh, but that, that, didn't really, uh, that didn't really cover what what the the book was about. I was very shocked by it. Hmm, cool. So that's that's my hit. All right. Well, um, for pick of the week, I, I think I'll pick um, the Audible app on my iPhone, yeah. which is something I've been playing with lately, um, been using lately. Um, you know, I, I have that 160 gig iPod that I you know have all my music on and everything. Now, when you when you play an audiobook on there, if you want it to go faster. You can do that, but on the iPhone, which and I'm assuming on the newer iPods, the the software that it uses must just work a whole lot better because when you do that, it's much more clear and it's hmm. a it's better. But the Audible app has um, more settings on the speed. That was one of the things that I noticed on the later version that I really enjoy is uh, you can speed it up. Quadruple time. Yeah, you can go really fast if you're trying to scan through something and looking for something. Mm, that's really yeah. handy. Um, yeah, and I just like the way it's set up. It uh, when when that app first came out, I tried it and I actually deleted it off my phone. But over the Christmas holiday, I put it back on, and it's you know a couple versions later, and it works really well. So mm. I I started to do my audiobooks that way. Well, I, I hear you can download right through through it as well. So you've got something yeah, you in your can. library. You can, you can, you can see, get it on the road You can see your library at any time. You can see what you've downloaded and what you haven't. So you can see a list of everything that's in your library and, and a list of everything that's on your phone. Uh, hmm. Yeah. 
But you Very have to be handy. on Wi-Fi to download it, right? Sure do. Yeah. No, yeah, it, do. can't you do 3G? Um, I think it would violate the size requirements. Yeah, I think it actually really pops wish. up a message and says, hey, this is more than 20 megabytes. You can't download this through 3G. Well, that's lame. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. But it's okay. <laughs> it, uh, it works really well. I like it. Okay. Um, so what are we going to do about Tam? Just forget well, about him. Did Kristen have anything? <laughs> do you want to add anything? I have nothing to add. Okay. Um, well, cool. Well, it was really yeah. nice to meet you. Yeah. It was yeah. good times. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, poor Tam's in the hole, and <laughs> and uh, we will get him out by we'll next week, I imagine. <laughs> Drop the chain down there. <laughs> We we what we need to do is string a telephone wire down to him so that we can talk to him on the phone yeah, while he's rooting around down there. That's right, and say, oh, "What do you see down there? It's yeah. horrible. You can't <laughs> understand how horrible it is." <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. <laughs>